to the chief. He's the one we all say hail to. Dave Kovic was an ordinary guy. Mr. Kovic, your government needs your help. We just happened to look like the president. You're a very handsome man. Thank you, Mr. President. Just get rid of the grin. You look like a schmuck. Dave, something has happened to the president. What about the vice president? The vice president is mentally unbalanced. Is this legal? Oh, yeah. Probably. We think so. Yes. Gotta ask, just straight off the bat, just get knee-jerk reaction, which actor are you most disappointed in for doing the I Take Responsibility? Oh my god! Stanley Tucci. I was thinking Stanley Tucci, <laughs> and I I feel like he's in second place for me because as much as I love, and I love Stanley Tucci, he's great in everything he's ever done. I feel like perhaps the sense of professionalism and presence that he has in really all of his film roles uh, <laughs> worked well uh, for him in this video. He just like, I feel like he did it one take. He's like, I'm going to read this. He nailed it. And that was it. I feel like Aaron Paul did 15 takes. Oh, Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul did extra. He had, There's like deleted scenes to his. <laughs> He, he did, like, a few off-the-cuff remarks that he's like, I think that they're leaving this out in the script that they emailed to us two hours ago. <laughs> oh, my God. It was I watched horrible. It, I watched it again today because... Why? Well, because I think I had to convince myself that it really happened. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I gotta admit, I I watched it, but, you know, I watch it the same way that I would some sort of bloody movie, kind of like out of the corner of my eye, behind my yeah, eyes. Yeah, like your, your, your hand is covering <laughs> my hands, your yeah. face, but you've like spread your fingers so there's one uh-huh. eye that can see what's yeah, going when... on. And that eye is watching uh, Aaron Paul do prayer hands. When, okay, the first image isn't prayer hands, but the second one is. And that's when I was like, yes. oh no, it was... <laughs> It was really, really bad. The The part that got to me, though, are the people who are just reading it. Like, Deborah Messing, you could see the line breaks in her eyes. And yes. I was just like, that your job is to memorize things and recite it so that it means something. <laughs> I was not surprised to see Sarah Paulson in that. I was annoyed to see what's her face from The Good Place. What's her? Kristen Bell. I, I have love-hate relationship with this woman. I can't watch Veronica Mars because of her, but the story is good. Interesting. So I'm just Interesting. like, Ugh. But I don't know. I think nobody thought that through. Nobody thought it through. Um, who else? Um, Alana Glazer's in that, right? Oh, yeah. She's in that. Uh, that was kind of disappointing. Although, like, her, based on her stand-up special that she did, like, a few months ago, and then Deborah Messing as well, I would, I would characterize their politics as, like, tepid. Yes. Right. Uh, and um, and just, yeah. It, so I wasn't super surprised that Deborah Messing and Alana Glazer were in it. I don't know Kristen Bell's politics that she well. She said Blue Lives uh, Matter. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. That's so bad politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a shame because I really like Dax Shepard. I think he's actually uh, quite a good actor. Oh, uh, yeah. Even though he plays basically the same dumb guy. I loved him on Punk'd. Uh, Punk, he, he did, so I saw him, like, I, I remember seeing Idiocracy, 
and I was um and he plays a dumb guy in that and I'm like wow he does a really good dumb guy voice <laughs> and then I watched him in Parenthood and I'm like oh no that's his normal voice oh really yeah I mean yeah. I've listened to his podcast and sometimes I have to turn it off <laughs> so I guess yeah I agree I think the thing about this whole thing is they were like okay so you're gonna send in this video but make sure it's black and white <laughs> Mm-hmm. and make sure that you can't see any other parts of your body except the guilt in your face. Except your your giant face. Your giant white guilt. It it was really dumb. It was probably dumber than the Imagine video, which I couldn't even get through. It's close. It's real close. <laughs> I, that, that one I had to turn off because I was like, why? And that also Will, well, Will the- Ferrell was in that one. And I yes. was like, why, Will? The thing about the Imagine video is that I think makes the Imagine video worse is some of these celebs did not edit out that they live in really nice houses. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have their, like, beautiful yards in the background. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, um, I want to get a chicken coop, but in the back all there is is, like, a dumpster and someone's bike. should have known better i'm nadia vasquez and as always i am joined by the cashew ricotta that keeps my vegan lasagna structurally sound tony ginocchio that's so specific uh, <laughs> and i i appreciate it thank you very much nadia you're welcome without the cashew ricotta the lasagna would completely fall apart falls apart so let me so you say it's vegan lasagna so there so it's not there's no like dairy cheese it's all there's no dairy uh, cheese based. no because yeah. then my tummy will hurt i see <laughs> um probably smart yeah uh okay well you know it's it's wonderful to to be here um i'm excited for today we're doing something we don't do that often which is watching a movie that's actually like uh tolerable yeah no it was good i liked it yeah yeah. I was worried it would be a little too Caucasian for me, but it was fine. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you got Ving Rhames, uh, and yeah. that is your one person of color. <laughs> well, the cool part about that movie, and I'll get into it, is that there were very diverse scenes, but just yes. not taking place within any government building. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, folks, it, it's uh, we're going to release this on 4th of July week. We're recording it a few weeks before, but I feel pretty confident saying it's going to be one of the shittier Fourths of July Mm. that we've had. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, All countries matter. (laughs) I'm sure somebody will make that joke when Uh, it it is the Fourth of July, and this will just sound like I'm, you know, jumping on that train. But that's okay. I don't care. That's that's okay. Um, so we are we are watching a movie that is actually pretty good, um, that was certainly successful both critically and commercially, and that for a couple reasons could absolutely never be made today, uh, and that is Dave from 1993, starring Kevin Kline and Sigourney Weaver, uh, directed by legendary comedic director Ivan Reitman, written by legendary comedy writer Gary Ross, um, all-star cast, feel-good hit of the year, um 
an inspiration to uh, guys everywhere who kind of look like the president, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I didn't know that there was some sort of, like, side gig to tap into where you kind of look like the president. I feel like John Krasinski could have been Nixon. John John Krasinski would have been like four years old at that point. <laughs> That's if, true. If that, a tiny baby Nixon. <laughs> um, so Dave is is a lighthearted romantic comedy about an attempted coup of the United States government, in which Kevin Klein is President Bill Mitchell, uh, and he's Dave, who's just a regular guy who runs a temp agency in Baltimore that seems to serve mainly white people, which is not a large demographic in Baltimore. And he uh, gets hired to do um, to body double for the president at an event for, for security reasons, and then the president has a stroke while he's fucking Laura Linney. <laughs> and it's that's what happens in the film and so the rather than contact the vice president or do any sort of normal things you would do when the president has a stroke the chief of staff and the communications director um tap dave and are like dave we need you to pretend to be the president um (laughs) the chief of staff uh bob alexander played by legendary actor frank langella um is planning to um, sneak his way into the presidency and, and manipulate Dave into nominating him as vice president and eventually resigning. Um, doesn't work out like that uh, because uh, the decency of a good regular guy becoming president ends up uh, winning the day uh, and inspiring people everywhere. Um, this movie was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards. It was the 13th highest grossing film of the year. Uh, a massive success. Kevin Klein had already won an Oscar when he agreed to do this. Um, just this um, this kind of feel-good, common-sense, America-coming-together film that feels embarrassingly dated uh, <laughs> at a time when our country is literally on fire. It's really, it really got me emotionally for sure. <laughs> I was, I, first of all, I was like, when was the last time I liked a president? Oh, we're still in the first term of <laughs> this current one. I, I found myself tearing up when people were clapping for him. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, right. People the used pre- to like a president. <laughs> the president shows up to places and people are like excited to see him. Yeah, people were cheering for him. They were he was holding babies. Yeah. Oh, and then and, and then I went, okay, I have to admit, I went and looked up some photos of President Obama. <laughs> and I started to cry. <laughs> and it was just like pictures of him playing with kids or just like hanging around laughing. There was the, a photo of a little boy who fell asleep at the father-son ice cream social and he's pointing uh, he fell, at him. Did he fall asleep on the couch? No, he fell asleep on a chair in the on, at the table and Obama is like pointing at him in like a jokey way and I'm just like, "Oh, I forgot there was a wholesome lovely yeah. president at one point." Who was who was good with children. There's a lot of very cute photos of him with children. Now our current president uh, at a, a campaign rally in 2016, told a woman to take her baby out of the rally because he was tired of hearing that baby cry. Right. Uh, and there are a couple, like, weird 
parallels in this film um, that kind of have have echoes in the Trump administration, which we can talk about when we get there. But I do want to point out that the plot of this film could never happen today because nobody looks like Donald Trump because he is... And this is not the most important thing to criticize about him, but he is one of the most fucked up looking people. <laughs> you know what I thought? I said if they were to make this movie, they'd probably just get Alec Baldwin to do it because it, they're so fucking lazy. <laughs> That's the thing is like Alec Baldwin's impression is so bad. It's so too. Anthony Antaminic should do it. He's great. Yeah. He, I love him. Oh, he's he, the best. He has nailed it. He nails... Um, he nails the fact that Trump can, like, whip wildly between different tone <laughs> levels as well, like, mid-sentence. Oh, totally. Like, like, he's infuriated, and then he's happy, and then he's, like, sundowning, like, all before he gets to the end of the <laughs> sentence. Like, Tony Tamia gets that perfectly. It's good. I think there was this video where he went to a rally, and people thought that he was really Donald Trump, and this little girl was like, you're a disgrace. <laughs> Yes, yes. I love that one. (laughs) And he's just like, all right. (laughs) So good. But before we get Uh, into that, I was wondering, what kind of pop culture is getting you through this quarantine, Tony? Is it Um, Anthony and Tamanik? I mean, it kind of is. No, uh, there's two two music recommendations I have. Hello. Um, One is a rap album that just came out, and it's kind of unique. Um, and, and so I'm like bracing myself. No, no, no. I want, I'm pulling it up right now because I want to make sure I get the producer's name right too. Um, the, the artist is named, uh, Draco, the ruler, D-R-A-K-E-O. The uh, producer is, uh, I think it's Jug Season, J-O-O-G-S-C-N. Um, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that right. I'm sure Jug listens to this. (laughs) Um, the album is called Thank You for Using GTL. GTL is the name of the, like, extortiony phone service in county prisons where you know like they charge your family seven dollars a minute to talk to you on the phone when you're in jail oh okay i thought it was jim Um, tan laundry no no (laughs) jersey Um, yeah uh so draco is in jail right now he is awaiting trial he's being held without bail um he's awaiting trial on kind of like a bullshit gang conspiracy charge because they tried to get him for something else and it didn't work oh shit so he he recorded this entire album by calling his producer on the phone and wrapping his verses into the phone that's incredible yes and i wouldn't be talking about this album if it didn't work um but it actually like goes pretty hard and i have had tell you the truth stuck in my head all day um so i would check that out thank you for using gtl um that one's good uh, it is, um, uh, weird cause like all the verses clearly have like, are coming through a phone, uh, but they match up really well with the beats and, um, I really, uh, really am enjoying that. Um, the other music recommendation, uh, Raffi, uh, the children's artist, uh, Hell yeah. just, just did an interview in Jacobin, the socialist magazine. Um, Raffi, if you don't know, has extremely good politics. Uh, he is a socialist and anti-fascist uh, and uh, talks a lot about the importance of building a better world specifically for children. Um, Raffi's so the che- best. He kicks ass. Um, uh, so check that out. Uh, check out the interview if you get a chance or just listen to Baby Beluga because uh, it's a timeless classic. It's so good. Uh, I listen to it. I listen to it sometimes in the car when I need to feel good. Yeah. I don't yeah, have children. 
But how about you, Nadia? What's getting you through quarantine? Well, watching Dave, and every time I would type in the movie Dave, Little Dickie's <laughs> show would pop up. So I just started watching that again, and it was really, it's still so good. I love that show. I think, have you seen it? I have not seen, I have heard that it is good. And, and basically what I've heard is it's like the concept seemed really stupid, but they turned it into something, they turned it into something that was really good. It's really, really phenomenal. And I was very surprised that it turned out to be so good. Not that I don't. That's what everyone's saying, yeah. Not that I don't respect Lil Dicky because I think he's a very good rapper. uh, But I think also he's a goon in a funny way. (laughs) So, you know, I, I, I didn't know what to expect, but he took it really seriously and it's very good. I think the best show of the year. Okay. And this was uh, FX? FX, yeah. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, I also found a YouTube channel that has all of the Office deleted scenes as a compilation for each season. (laughs) So they're like two and a half hours long. So I've been watching that. Uh, And also I have an embarrassing thing to share, but I... I come from a family that speaks Spanish, but when we're all in well, the... Well, that's not embarrassing. That's not embarrassing. But when we're all in the group chat and everyone's <laughs> typing in Spanish, it takes me a really long time to read what the hell is going on. And so I wanted to practice reading Spanish. So I bought Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban in Spanish okay. so I could practice. Yeah. And then all this bullshit went down with J.K. Rowling. And I was just like, <laughs> Fuck. But I'm committing because I spent $13.99 on it, and I'm going to read it, and I'm going to get better at Spanish, and then I'll pick a different book series. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the uh, read, like, His Dark Materials in Spanish or something, but oh, the— <laughs> So good. I love that series. <laughs> the, uh, you know, when we last spoke, J.K. Rowling had tweeted something that was pretty clearly transphobic, and I think at that point, Daniel Radcliffe had also put out a statement that that said all the right things right, right? absolutely um he's the best because yeah, daniel radcliffe's the best um and that was a week ago that when we last recorded so in in the past seven days jk rowling basically did like a, a six thousand word like medium post basically on her website uh <laughs> explaining why she's a transphobe <laughs> yeah i she doubled down so hard and she doesn't think that she's doing that yeah, but she is. She's a really shitty person, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, so Emma Watson put out a statement in support of trans people. Uh, Bonnie Wright, who played uh, Janie Weasley in the movies, put out a statement. Rupert Grint like put out a statement that was like, yeah, that's what they said, which is basically what Ron Weasley yeah. would have done. <laughs> he's so perfect. He, whatever, he's <laughs> hanging out in his ice cream truck. Leave, yeah, exactly. leave him alone. <laughs> My favorite part of all of this is yeah. the, just the fans falling apart. Because yeah. there are still the people who are like, no, I will always be a Hufflepuff kind of people. And they're always Hufflepuff. But <laughs> <laughs> just by the way. But the ones that <laughs> the ones that really tickle me are the people who have Harry Potter tattoos. Because <laughs> they're just like, do I cover it up? Does the story still mean something to me? But then everybody who is replying to those people are like, okay, here are all the problematic things that have happened with all these characters. Is yes. that something that you want to support? And and then those people just go ahead and cover the tattoos. Even yeah. though it's quarantine. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Well, I'm very excited about talking about Dave. Just yeah. because I haven't had a pleasant experience viewing politics in the last three to four years. No, nobody has. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, I 
Also, I'm just a really big Kevin Klein fan. This is a pro Kevin Klein podcast. Friend of the show, Kevin Klein. We love him. <laughs> Kevin, if you're listening, come on the show. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be great. He's still, I mean, he's still doing Bob's Burgers, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> uh, Fishholder. Mr. Fishholder. Fishholder, yeah. Ugh, so um, good. But, it, you know, this is a movie from a completely different political era. It is a movie from a different time in general in america mm-hmm. it is from 1993 and so nadia tell me about 1993 okay i remember reading the former current events was like a flashback into time of my own from my own tiny pajama body <laughs> <laughs> and they were power rangers pajamas uh all the toys everything it was just the time when i was starting to absorb things so when I went through everything, I didn't want to include the run-of-the-mill things that I generally include. So I, I included more um, significant former current events. Okay. So the first one is apartheid finally ended in South Africa. Hey, okay. So two good things. <laughs> two then. good Dave things. and apartheid. Yes. And then Elon Musk probably came to America soon after that. <laughs> that was immediately when the Musk family came. Exactly. Yes. Uh Okay, this one was wild. Women were finally legally able to wear pants on the floor of the U.S. Senate in 1993. Thank, wow. Yeah, thanks to Senators Barbara Majulski and Carol Mosley Braun, who wore pants on the floor, which was not allowed, and they, that was their sign of protest. And they changed Yeah, Carol Mosley Braun uh, from Illinois, and I believe the first black woman to serve in the Senate. And she kicked ass, and now anyone can wear pants. I can't believe that that <laughs> happened in 1993. There's a lot of stuff that happened um, that you're like, oh, when did that happen? Like, a lot of barriers that got broken that you're like, oh, yeah, that was 1995 or whatever it was. It's unfathomable to me, yeah. but uh, I included my top, the top songs of mm-hmm. this year, and because I listen to most of these regularly. Uh, they include Dream Lover by Mariah Carey, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston, originally written by Dolly Parton, who also wrote yes. Jolene the same day. Same day. Uh, Informer by Snow, one of my nice. personal favorites, and the one of the all-time best R&B girl groups, SWV, had their song Week on the top of the charts. Okay. Sisters with Voices, check them out. They are another one of my pop culture uh, recommendations for this week. Additionally, <laughs> okay, this one's fun. Rick Rubin, you know, the music producer. Yeah, the producer. Yeah, yeah. he held an actual funeral complete with casket and grave for the word deaf after finding out it had been accepted into the standardized dictionary. Among those who attended the funeral were Tom Petty, Flea, and Trent Reznor. So so extra. Deaf like D-E-F? D-E-F. Yeah, that seems like a lot of hassle to it's, make a point. It's a lot. And I, I, I wanted to find pictures of it, but then I was just like, I don't care that much. <laughs> uh, the top slogan slash catchphrase of that year was Got Milk. That was when yeah, that premiered. Uh, the great Dave Thomas, not Dave from the movie we're watching, but Dave Thomas of Wendy's, went back to high school to get his GED because he was worried that his success as a high school dropout might convince other teenagers to quit school fascinating what a good guy we should do 
No, I was going to say we should do like a founders of fast food. Probably should have. Because a lot of no, them have mo- done really bad stuff. Yeah, most of them are horrible human beings. And then we can just talk about Dave Thomas for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mattel introduced Earring Magic Ken in 1993, where Ken had blonde highlights, a purple shirt, lavender vest, and a necklace with a circular charm, and most importantly, an earring in his left ear. Gay men bought the doll in record numbers, and it is still to this day the highest-selling Ken model in Mattel history. Huh. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. I looked it up, and it's very cute, and I want one. <laughs> uh, Clerks was screened that year. Shout out to Kevin Smith. Friend at, of the show, Kevin Smith. At the, Kevin Smith and Kevin Klein. if you want to have a Kevin off on our show. Kevin uh, off. We will do it. <laughs> I would I would love to talk to Kevin Smith. He, they screened at the independent feature film market and only 12 people showed up to that screening, including Kevin Smith, seven people from the cast and crew, and only two random people who bought tickets. <laughs> and now look at where we are. Now look where we are. Also, this one's especially for you, Tony. Mag- okay. Magic the Gathering was the most popular tabletop game of the year. That was the first year it came out at Gen Con 93 in Indianapolis, yes. <laughs> You're such a dork. I forget this about you. I know that you're, you know, you know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff, but those details that you just pepper in (laughs) just really solidifies you in my heart. Uh, But that's pretty much it for me. Okay. Well, you know, I kind of want to add a little perspective on the presidency and movies uh, as well. Um, so Dave it comes out in 93. Uh, another very similar film came out in like 95, 96, uh, which we almost watched for this episode, was The American President, um, which was uh, the the movie that Aaron Sorkin wrote before he wrote the, Re- the West Wing. And both Dave and American President kind of reflect um, this idea of like, we need a, a president who has common sense and decency and... Um, and, uh, and that's really what's going to inspire Americans. And they're, they're smart and they're clever, but they also have good hearts. And both these films, and we'll talk about Dave in a lot more detail, but have a very positive view of uh, kind of government and traditions and institutions and like, oh, the White House set is dazzling and um, there's lively string music that plays. And as, as time goes on, um, you kind of see, uh, especially like once you get to post 9-11, you kind of see uh, a shift to kind of more presidents managing through disaster. Uh, for some reason, a lot of them tend to be black men like Jamie Foxx in White House Down or Danny Glover in 2012 or Morgan Freeman in Deep Impact or Dennis Haysbert in 24. Um, a couple other uh, examples from earlier from the pre-9-11 would be like Bill Pullman in Independence Day. Uh, giving the great inspirational speech um, in 1997, uh, Air Force One with Harrison Ford, uh, where the president is a tough guy who can fight the bad guys with his bare hands. Um, this Hell is yeah. how American films saw the president. In case you're wondering how uh, other countries saw the president, we have to go to the dark inversion of Dave, which is, of course, Billy Bob Thornton in Love Actually. <laughs> I was just going to say, I really hope you mention Billy Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Who played kind of a, an amalgam of George W. Bush and Bill Clinton. 
um, because he was a dumb cowboy like George W. Bush, and he fucked a lot like Bill Clinton. George W. Bush, I don't believe, has ever fucked. Um, The reason I bring uh, all of these up is also because in the 2016 election, when we had a high number of people just running for president, uh, at one point, Chuck Todd of NBC News uh, did kind of an informal survey of all the candidates to ask who their favorite fictional presidents were. Um, and a lot of Republican candidates said Harrison Ford and Air Force One because they want the tough guy action hero image. Jeb Bush said Air Force One. John Kasich said Air Force One. And then he cracked a joke and he's like, people say I look like Harrison Ford. And he does not. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Donald Trump said Air Force One, to which Harrison Ford responded in an interview and said, Donald, it's a movie. It's not really like that. Um, Bernie Ford. Sanders uh, said the American president, Michael Douglas's character in the American Fuck president. Fuck yeah, Bernie. So the, Air, the Aaron Sorkin uh, uh, president. And then the one candidate who said Dave uh, was his favorite fictional president is friend to progressives everywhere, Ted Cruz. Wow. I did not <laughs> expect that at all. Oh, I need a second. <laughs> the thing about Ted Cruz is as repulsive a human being as he is, and as much as he has done, in my opinion, to hurt American politics, he has very good taste in pop culture. <laughs> I mean, he uh, is the Zodiac Killer. He is the Zodiac Killer, uh, which is not his taste in pop culture, but he likes Dave. His favorite movie of all time is The Princess Bride, which is a classic. Uh, He's a big fan of the golden age of The Simpsons, and hey, you know, I'm not going to fault someone How did you find this out? He he talks about this in interviews, especially in 16 when he was running. Like, he tried so hard. There is video of him, and maybe I'll cut it in. Um, There is video of him, like, doing impressions of all these Simpsons characters. Wow. Do you think he was trying to come off as human? Yes, that's exactly what Because he's a about robot man. Is him being like, I am not the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> How could the Zodiac Killer like television? <laughs> the Simpsons, specifically. Yeah, the, the Simpsons. Wow, um, that's so, mind-blowing. I'm, I'm yeah. glad that Bernie had something cool. Yeah. <laughs> he had, yeah, he had something that was um, acceptable. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, geez. So with all that in mind... Um, do you want to talk about the movie? Yeah. (laughs) This, this movie, like I said, I came into it with absolutely zero expectation. I'd never seen it before. I've actually never heard of it before, but I was pleasantly surprised. Also, Kevin Kline is just incredible. incredible. There, there's a scene in the movie we'll talk about where he is introduced, the president is introduced to his doppelganger, Dave. Mm-hmm. And the acting choices between just how he carries himself as both characters, what I had to pause it and just like look at it because it was incredible. Truly a great performance by Kevin Klein, like everything he does. I will say there is a scene early in the film where you see the president, Bill Mitchell, and Dave, the regular guy, both played by Kevin Klein, in the same shot facing each other. And in 1993, people's heads were exploding when oh, they yeah. saw that. <laughs> I think around that time was when they used that same technology to have Phoebe Buffay talk to her sister Ursula. Yes. But that yes. was it. Like, that's, that's as far as that technology went. But it was really <laughs> fantastic. And I, I, wait, this, you probably cut this, but what, um, isn't Evan Reitman Jason Reitman's dad? 
I've, yes, it's his dad. So Ivan Reitman um, directed Ghostbusters. He directed Stripes. And he directed this film. But yes, he, he's Jason Reitman's dad. Um, he is, uh, I would say, every single film Ivan Reitman has made is better than every single film Jason Reitman has made. Except for Juno. I love Juno. Mm. <laughs> we might do Juno in a later episode. Okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it since I was in college. So <laughs> I might change my mind. But uh, it's, um, yeah, so Ivan Reitman did the direction, and then the script is by Gary Ross. Gary Ross wrote Big as well, oh. um, which is another, another great, another great uh, comedy role and another great comedy movie, um, and, uh, and, and Gary Ross got nominated for an Oscar for this screenplay specifically. So it is just charming start to finish, and the cast in this film... Uh, beyond Kevin Klein is, is remarkable. You so have good. Sigourney Weaver as the First Lady. You have Ving Rhames with hair as the <laughs> Secret Service agent. Um, Frank Langella is the bad guy. He's the chief of staff. Um, Bonnie Hunt has a has a small role in it. She's great. I loved her in this. There's yeah, a, also a- great cameos by Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, yeah, that and this happened in The American President, too. This happens in a lot of political movies, is there's cameos. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was politically, you know, somewhat active at that time, was obviously a well-known actor at the time. But there's also cameos from, like, actual politicians, and it just feels kind of stupid. To, like, I don't need to see Tip O'Neill um, or Senator Alan K. Simpson of Wyoming uh, yeah guest star as themselves <laughs> yeah it, to lend it was, the movie authenticity it was very interesting the the best uh co-star role i saw was anna devere smith if you haven't seen any of her shows her theater shows they're available mm-hmm. on youtube and on pbs but she is incredible and does a lot of work on she's an incredible linguist and does uh accent work and characterizations and she'll do an entire two hours of real character interviews that she did with people talking about really huge major issues so to have her included in this movie in the role that she was put in which was the head of the homelessness or a homeless oh yes the homeless shelter the homeless shelter it was like it was just very smart movies aren't made like this anymore i have to say so i was very happy to see her and i hope that our listeners will check her out because she is a powerhouse theater actor who i think should be in more tv and film but you know you know how it goes awesome um but but basically like we get introduced right away to president bill mitchell who is kind of dour and humorless uh he and his wife aren't talking to each other um he's just kind of going through the motions of the presidency uh one of his secretaries is laura linney and he's clearly hot for her uh and then we meet dave also played by kevin klein who is this kind of like lighthearted happy-go-lucky guy who runs a temp agency in baltimore and he just he really just hustles so hard to find jobs for the people that come into his agency yeah he is very sweet and he knows everybody very well knows he he has great relationships with the people that he's connecting these people with to get their jobs and also we learn that he is alone He's lonely. He's yes. a lonely guy, but he's still happy. It doesn't matter. He'll sing as loud as he wants. 
Yes. And people love him. He's generally very well liked in he, comparison to Bill Mitchell, the president. Yes. He will bang down the door of his friend who's an accountant played by Charles Grodin, who in my head is playing the same character he plays in the Beethoven film. <laughs> uh, yeah, his to, wild disheveled hair is a character yeah. choice. Um, to uh, to tell him, look, you have to you have to give this woman a temp job or he's going to get turned off. You got like, I need to get this woman a job today. It's like, fine, I'll do it. So he he is a good man he's a regular guy and he cares about other people when have we had a lead character in a film that we have talked about that is good a good person where where his his or her or their flaw is to be good because everyone Uh, around them is not can can you think can you think of one uh well uh, certainly nothing in this season um I think Zach Braff thought that of his character <laughs> in Garden State. Oh, man. I, I, I hesitate to, to say this, but I'm going to anyway. But I think that's a character trait that doesn't exist anymore. Of, I think you're right. And it really, it was a breath of fresh air to watch something from the past represent something that I needed to see so badly, which is just a good person who just happens to find themselves in circumstances that they have absolutely no control over that are just so out of this world, first of all, unconstitutional. <laughs> first of all, yeah, completely insane <laughs> yeah. from like a law standpoint. Just, just head to toe. But they're just a good person that will always do the right thing. I have not seen this in so long, and I felt so happy watching it. I thought we really need more of this. Yeah, definitely mixed feelings uh, watching it because it is a feel-good film and, and it, it was a very pleasant film to watch. And then you're like, oh, but also we live in this world. Exactly. Oh, I feel like uh, maybe we're embracing being cynical too much. Do you think that's what it is? I try not to be cynical, but it's hard. I mean, you did literally evacuate your home like two weeks ago because the National Guard was <laughs> occupying your street. That's true forget i said anything (laughs) she's fine now folks fuck the police Uh, yes um so basically the secret service shows up at dave's door and is like hey you oh sorry before we get to that the other thing dave does when he's not running the temp agency is he does gigs where he like shows up to used car dealership ribbon cuttings pretending to be the president like as a joke right as a bit yeah, and it's really sweet because people in the audience are like, that's not him, right? No, I really hope not because his impression is pretty bad. Yeah. Which is hilarious because yes. he eventually has a really great impersonation of Bill Mitchell and yes. fools everyone except maybe his wife. Yeah. Um, so so basically the Secret Service shows, gets wind that this guy is good at impersonating the president and looks just like him, shows up at his home and is like, we need you to... Um, show up and be a body double for the president at a banquet at a hotel tonight in D.C. Uh, and Dave, possibly because he's lonely and bored or something, is, like, really into this idea. Well, he's also he's... into the idea because Ving Rhames frames it in a way that he's doing a service to his country. Yes, your government needs you, is yeah. what he says. And yeah. Kevin Klein, because he's good understands that a civil servant can go very far and do a lot yeah. of very good things. 
So this is the moment where we see Bill Mitchell and Dave meet in the hotel. They're both wearing tuxes. Like Nadia said, there's there's some really funny um, acting choices from Kevin Klein, especially playing Dave, like kind of turning his head so the president can get a good look at him. Yeah, and he has this goofy grin on his face and he's raising his eyebrows and being very expressive while the yeah. president is like, you look like a moron. <laughs> yeah. Stop grinning. Yeah. Um, and, and basically, like, Ving Rhames is like, the whole gig is just the president's going to come up to the hotel room. Then you're going to go down to the car as, as just a decoy because it's an open area. And uh, that's going to be it. And then we'll pay you and you'll be done. Right. Because the president had some very important business to attend to, which was fucking Laura Linney. Which was fucking Laura Linney. <laughs> oh, Laura Linney. It's hard uh, for me to find a role where I like her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like her in Love Actually. Her storyline is my least favorite. That storyline makes no sense. It makes Love, no sense at all. Just don't answer the phone. <laughs> that guy is so hot. Fuck the hot guy. God. Sorry, I got carried away. But, okay, so he needs to go fuck Laura Linney. And the best part about this is, oh, poor Dave, because he's so lonely and wants to be so well-liked. He just loved playing the president for those loved it three to five so minutes much. that he was playing, just walking and waving. Oh, you could see a light in his eyes. He was just so happy to be Bill Mitchell. And he turns, before he gets in the limo, he turns around and yells to the crowd cheering for him. Because, again, this movie was made in a time when people would cheer for the president. Right. Uh, he turns and yells at the crowd cheering for him, Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless America. And he's not supposed to say anything. Yeah. But he was just overwhelmed by the moment. And this movie, if it's about anything, is about the power of a good yes and. <laughs> and... What? And he fu- And he fucking nails it. <laughs> He really did, and he was so stoked in the limo that they put him in, and Ving Rhames is just rolling his eyes at this Just goon. glaring at him. Yeah. He's like this goofy guy that's just like, you need to relax. But unfortunately, things take a turn for the worst. Yes, the way I uh, wrote it in my notes is, the president strokes out on Laura Linney. <laughs> no! And uh, basically while he, like literally mid-sex with Laura Linney, the president, uh, Bill Mitchell, has a stroke um, and uh, is ta- is in a coma. And it's a bad stroke. Like, he's not coming out of this coma. Ew. Um, and so... <laughs> he's not what? The, he's he's not uh, awakening from the coma. There you go. <laughs> what, what if I correct him? Like, he's not jizzing out of this coma. Uh, <laughs> thanks this, for listening, Mom. This is and so, rated NC-17. <laughs> so... Um, the chief of staff, who is Frank Langella, and the communications director, who is played by the guy who plays the chief of staff in Veep. So very confusing for me. Um, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Um, get together. They're like, shit, the president's had a stroke. Uh, I, God damn it. I guess we got to call the vice president. And Frank Langella's like, we're not calling the vice president. Because Frank Langella is the most cartoonish villain it, like laughably cartoonish. Like the music will slow down. There's like a <laughs> kind of organ sound, and then he turns his head very slowly yeah. and says We're the not next part of his plan. The vice president, <laughs> and he's a, he's a tremendous actor. So like. good, but they they really did him a disservice by putting that music <laughs> under everything he said. 
Um, so he is mad with power. Uh, and he and the chief of staff, just in real life, White House chief of staff is an incredibly powerful role and an incredibly important job. It is not something you really do if you want to become president someday. Yeah. Um, I can only name one chief of staff who served in my lifetime, and I only know that because he came back and became mayor of Chicago afterward, and he sucked. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's kind of, there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief required, but basically what Frank Langella's plan is, is we're going to call that Dave guy. We're going to have him pretend to be the president. And we're just going to tell him what to do because he's just he doesn't know anything about being president. So we can pull the strings ourselves. Right. And they're going to get all of their initiatives across. Yes. And we're going to the long term plan in Frank Langella's head is we're going to frame the vice president in a banking scandal that we never really explain. I didn't understand that. Going to well, that's because nobody did because okay. they didn't explain it. Okay, um, we're going to frame the vice president. He'll have to resign. Then we'll get Dave to name me Frank Langella vice president. Then we'll just get rid of Dave because he's not really the president, and I'll become president. It'll take two weeks tops, he says. Right, two weeks tops to again orchestrate a soft coup of the United States government in which an unelected official <laughs> takes over the presidency. It's, there's so much about this movie that is just lacking in common sense of, like, (laughs) nobody gets caught for anything. This is wildly unconstitutional, (laughs) incredibly illegal, and nobody is, who is involved in this particular plan gets in trouble at all. Yeah, that that is something that bears mentioning, is by the end of the film, this has never come out. No. They get Dave to do this. (laughs) It zero zero people know about this except maybe two or three people yeah. in with on the inside and none of them say anything, including people who are later indicted indicted yeah for, for crimes that they committed. They're just like I'm just not gonna say anything. It's fine. So the there's there's a couple plot holes. It's still a very charming film. It's cute. Um, so uh, basically they call Dave in. They explain it to him. Dave is a little overwhelmed. Um, Naturally. But basically, uh, it, it, they get him to do it by appealing to his sense of duty. Right. Um, they say, look, yeah, it's kind of breaking the law, but if you were taking your wife to the hospital, you would run a red light. And yeah. And the country is on its way to the hospital. <laughs> and I don't think that metaphor is perfect. No, <laughs> definitely not. But it gets the job done. How do we all fit um, in the car? (laughs) Uh, It gets the job done for Dave. They convince Dave to do it. So he is going to fake being the president. Right. They say, we're the only people that are going to know. The president's wife doesn't talk to him. She sleeps in the other wing of the residence. Um, So you don't have to worry about her. The vice president we're going to send on a trip to Africa for two weeks so you're not going to talk to him uh all you got to do is follow our lead but dave can't do that he's a good guy he's too good he's too good that's his flaw he's too good the other thing that happens is um it does get out that the president had a stroke so they have to bring in the white house physician to examine dave and declare him healthy and ready to return to work and 
the physician, you know, examines this different guy who didn't have a stroke and says, wow, he's really healthy. I'm actually surprised by this. He's like one of the healthiest presidents of all time, which is funny when you don't remember that two different doctors have said that about Donald Trump. I know. I was like, I looked it up to see if they said it verbatim, and it's very similar. And I thought, who did Donald Trump bring in? The, well, Bornstein, who is the doctor, who is Trump's doctor before he became president, like wrote the letter during the campaign that was like, this would be the healthiest person to ever be president. Which, <laughs> there's no fucking way. No way. And then the other the one The sun was, damage alone. <laughs> the, um, Ron, I think it was Ron Jackson is the name of the guy, the Navy physician who gave Donald Trump his physical, declared him incredibly healthy. Then Donald Trump is like, I'm going to name you Secretary of Veterans Affairs, <laughs> even though you're not qualified for that, which he then had to withdraw because it came out that Dr. Jackson had, in fact, just been shoveling pills to anyone who'd been asking for them. <sighs> That's why watching this movie was so fun, because I didn't know what was going on anywhere else because it seemed like everyone was doing their job. <laughs> it's sad. Let's for- Anyways, it's good. By but- the way, the two the two doctors I just named, I can't name any other doctors who have served the president because I'm not supposed to. No, you're not. I'm supposed not to. supposed to. Know I don't that. even think this doctor had a name in the movie. <laughs> he was just called Doctor, and I loved it. The anonymity, I need that. Other thing I I thought of uh, in my notes here: what if they did have to like when he started faking president? Fake, fake being president they had to like give him the file and be like look you have to know this because you're going to be working in the oval office aliens are real that okay <laughs> i have that in my notes too that that would be the very first thing that i would ask if i were president if i had to do that i would yes. be like i need you to bring me the the alien tell, files immediately tell me what the deal is with the aliens. i have to know or i'm not doing this <laughs> <laughs> i won't say anything i promise and then i'll like text you <laughs> Um, another very funny line, um, from when he's first learning to be president is when he picks up the phone and he turns to Frank Langella. He's like, do I need to dial nine to get out? (laughs) Yeah, because he has to give some sort of excuse to his temporary agency that he's going to be gone for a while. So they come up with this cockamamie story that he's fallen in love with this Polynesian woman and he's going on some sort of vacation with her to Mexico and everyone in his life who is like on the other end is just like he's in love thank god yeah they're relieved they want him to be happy it's really sweet again people just being nice because they're just nice what is that about (laughs) no ulterior motives no nothing they just want him to be happy may we all strive to have friends this way yes and he starts doing like the fun things you get to do when you're president um so he throws out the first pitch at an Orioles game. Yeah. Um, he gets to visit a factory and play with the giant robot arms. So cool. But he's showing this new side of yes. the presidency that people are like, okay, he had a stroke, but did this like mess with him? Because yeah. he's being a goofball. He's coming back. He's happy. Like everybody's noticing. They're like, who is the new Bill Mitchell? We see Jay Leno making jokes about oh it. Oh my God. Um, Two we cameo mo- moments from Jay two Leno. Two different scenes with Jay Leno. <laughs> two. We don't need any. Why? 
we see a clip of the McLaughlin group, which was bad TV then, and uh, <laughs> political TV has gotten worse since, right. um, where they're like, what is the, scale of one to ten, what is the new Bill Mitchell like? Um, and uh, and so people start to notice, hey, this new bit, Bill Mitchell, he's, he's doing stuff, he's interesting. Um, and his approval ratings happy. are just going through the roof. So. People like him, he seems more like a regular guy. Yeah. Uh, one person who doesn't like him, though is Ellen Mitchell, played by Sigourney Weaver. No, because her actual husband is a complete asshole. Yes. She knows that he cheats on her. Um, she knows that he's a dour, humorless asshole. Um, they do, like, a photo op at the uh, South Lawn, um, and they, they are both on the balcony, and she, like, barely talks to him. Um, but... She starts to take notice of this new spring in his step, Bill Mitchell, and she brings him along on one of her um, kind of uh, uh, pet causes, which is uh, homelessness, uh, fixing homelessness. So they go to a homeless shelter. With lots of kids. Anna Devere Smith is there. Yes, Anna Devere Smith is there. And he kind of steals the show from her and while he's talking to this little boy who's just kind of hanging out by himself. But Dave because he's a decent man, tells the cameras that it's just not an appropriate time to be taking photos while he's talking to this seemingly lonely boy. And he does a little magic trick for the kid, and the kid brightens up a little bit. And Sigourney Weaver is just, like, a little wet. (laughs) Unbelievably wet. I'm glad you said it first. (laughs) She's like, oh, who is this man who is... He's changed. Maybe he's, you know... We don't really know what's going on in her mind, but you're assuming that she's, like... This is a new man. Right. She's like, some something has changed with him, and this might be the man I once fell in love with. Dun, 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 dun. It's sweet. Uh. However, <laughs> that uh. is that is all thrown into the garbage because Frank Langella vetoes this plan that would give funding to this homeless shelter, among yeah, other v- things. Forges the president's signature to veto a bill um, which among other things funded the homeless shelter so sad Um, 650 million dollar bill and vetoed it and sigourney weaver goes and confronts him while he's in the shower yeah and this is where i ask the question do bill mitchell and dave have the same dick the same dick (laughs) Well, and obviously that's going through Dave's head in this scene. Because <laughs> he's clearly very hesitant for her to see his dick. Right. Because he's it's, like, I don't I don't know if it's the same dick. It's the thumbprint of the body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like snowflakes. Yeah. <laughs> they're different for everybody. <clears throat> um. Uh, so she she uh, confronts him um, when he's showering. She says, how could you do this? I I knew that you were going to cheat on me. I knew about... By the way, also, the fact that, like, Sigourney Weaver plays a first lady who has just decided to grin and bear it while her husband, who is the president, cheats on her in 1993 uh, also maybe is a little close to home. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Uh, she says, how could you do this? You vetoed the homeless shelter. I can't believe you would have done that stupid magic trick stunt for the kid and then done this. You are truly a cruel, awful man. Now, Kevin Klein, Dave doesn't know anything about this. 
So then he goes to Langella. He's like, well, what the hell? Why, why did we veto this? We can't, we got to fund that shelter. Langella's like, yeah, well, if you find $650 million lying around in the federal budget, you can have your shelter. And he does, but with the help of his friend, the CPA. The CPA, Charles Grodin. So this is my favorite part of the film because it's about fiscal responsibility <laughs> and fixing the deficit. Um, and I kind of, just for some additional context, this movie came out in 93. There's a presidential election in 92 where Bill Clinton defeated George H.W. Bush. Um, but 92 is also the election that had the single most successful third-party candidate of all time in Ross Perot. Ah, uh, yes. Um, who got close to 20% of the popular vote, uh, which is unthinkable now. Um, Ross Perot ran on the idea that too many people in Washington were career politicians and because of that, the budget was getting out of control, and you needed a regular guy to go in and use some common sense to fix the budget. And while Ross Perot was not a regular guy and was, in fact, an insane rich person who built a replica of the American embassy in Tehran in his Texas compound so he could pretend to rescue the hostages during the Iranian hostage crisis, that message <laughs> of, like, we need a— re that's what he did. <laughs> that message of we need a regular guy— um, who can bring some, like, fiscal responsibility and can treat the government budget like balancing a checkbook is kind of how the next scene plays out. I got sad <laughs> during these scenes because the idea of having a regular guy as a president is kind of the platform that Trump ran on even though he was not a regular guy. Clearly he's not. We already said how fucked up he looks. He's, and also he's just so tacky. And his, yeah. I've, I've been to Trump Tower and I've dined there before. And it's just so awful. And he's just not a regular guy. But people who vote for him are just like, nobody's a regular guy. I'm, it makes me so mad. I know, and, it's infuriating. And watching this scene made me realize that a real regular guy would probably be a little more out of his element than Dave is. Because <laughs> yes. Dave really knows what is happening here. Yes. And so does so, his CPA friend, for some reason, knows how to work with giant numbers like this. Yeah, Dave brings in Charles Gro He, like, sneaks Charles Grodin in. And Charles Grodin's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Why am I at the White House? But immediately accepts it. And Dave's like, look, I just need you to help me find $650 million in the budget. And then... Dave calls a cabinet meeting with TV cameras. Uh, genius, says, move. genius move. Genius move. Genius move because Frank Langella can't undercut him. And he says, hey, guys, I want to kind of revisit one thing on the budget before we uh, get there. And he literally points to every cabinet member uh, to identify, like, a program that's, you know, wasteful government spending. Um, and, and to be fair, the instances in the script are actually things that I, I actually would be fine with the government not spending money on, like, defense contracts. And, right. Uh, and advertising and, um, programs for people to appreciate. For the auto industry. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's like, okay, well, that's $25 million there. And, that's, and he goes through it all. And at the end, he's got $650 million. And everybody in the cabinet is so happy. Bursts into applause. That is hard to believe. <laughs> They just slashed all these people's budgets and they're just like, that's fine. But the cool part is, is that when he was making the argument to each person, he made it a human issue. 
do you yes. really want to take money away from these homeless children? And in front of the cameras, they would have to admit yes, and they didn't. So yeah. maybe he did turn them over a little bit. Yeah. And we see... I, I would argue that Frank Langella gets even more cartoonish at this point because he's like, no, I didn't want him to find the money. Why would I want to save a homeless shelter? Which is like <laughs> such a Mr. Burns line. But he also <laughs> he also has the funniest line in the movie in this scene, which is where he turns to the comms director and he's like, I'm going to kill him. And the comms director's like, you can't kill the president. <laughs> Frank Langella's like, he's, he's not the president. He's an ordinary person. I can kill an ordinary person. I can kill a hundred ordinary people. <laughs> And he would if he could, because he's such a cartoon villain. But uh, I think around this time, though, is when we kind of turn more towards rom-com. When when you called this movie a rom-com at the beginning of the pod, I thought, is it? But in a way, it is. The second half is, I think. Yeah, definitely. Because basically at this point in the film, Sigourney Weaver figures it out. Yeah. And the reason why is because... He, while they were in the limo on their way to the homeless shelter, he looked at her leg. You could see her slip, and or her skirt was kind of askew, and her slip was showing. And he mm. looked at it, and she's like, "Well, you know, my husband." My husband hasn't looked. Yeah. Yeah, and I He's was like, like I, "Sigourney, why?" I heard the boing sound your dick made. Um, <laughs> I hate that sound. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. So. He, she tricks him into admitting it, basically. She's like, ah, oh, yes, this reminds me of when you were in the state legislature. And he's like, yes, absolutely, Ellen. She's like, yeah, you weren't in the state legislature. Who the hell are you? Um, and uh, they, it, it, he kind of explains the whole thing to her. He takes her down to see the real Bill Mitchell, who is in a coma in, like, the White House nuclear bunker. <laughs> um it's really sad i was wondering where they were keeping him for this long and i'm really glad we got to see this like nuclear uh bunker that was probably featured on scandal as well i wonder if scandal used this set like where did they shoot this well i mean the opening credits of scandal say based on the movie dave (laughs) (laughs) thank you shonda rhimes yeah um so basically this is the scene where they like sneak out of the white house right right yeah and he takes her to just go be a regular person you know she's going through so much she's been abused emotionally by this horrible man who and is ultimately stuck in this position been been cheated on can't you know there's no way out and and now she finds out her husband is actually dying right so she he's like let's go get a sandwich (laughs) And he takes her around, I guess, Baltimore. Is that Baltimore or D.C.? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He takes... they're, they're, they're in uh, D.C. at this point, I think. Yeah, so he takes them around D.C. and he's driving just a regular car. They're just hanging out, having a good sandwich that he won't tell her what's in for some reason. <laughs> She's like, what's in it? He's like, it's a secret. I don't get that. <laughs> but uh, eventually, though, he runs a stoplight yeah he 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 like blows a he makes a left turn when it's illegal or something like that and he gets pulled over oh no and then you're just like "Uh uh-oh this is not good but he's gonna talk his way out of this one he does not want to be the president he does not want that media coverage he wants to Mm. but mostly he wants to protect sigourney weaver so he pretends that he is an impersonator and that so is she and they start Mm. singing a song in the street and yes. it's power bad. of the yes and <laughs> it's so funny and the police officers are like 
okay, like, you're pretty good, but she needs some work. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it was in and of itself a very tender, sweet scene yes. where you get to see Dave just being Dave. So if I was yes. Sigourney Weaver, I would be like, this guy looks exactly like my husband, but he's way better. Yeah. And I know his dick is bigger. <laughs> Let's hope so for her yeah. sake. And well, and that's the thing is because they, they come back to the White House eventually and uh, and they're about to go to sleep in their respective bedrooms. And 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 they have a conversation about how, um, you know, Dave, Dave and Sigourney Weaver were going to just leave because um, once she figured it out, Dave is like, OK, I can't be president anymore. Um but then they think about it, and, and Dave's like, you know what? I think there are some things I can do to help people while I'm being president, and I kind of want to stick around and try and do some of them. And Sigourney Weaver, right before they go to bed, kind of, like, gives him the the, the fuck-me eyes. And <laughs> she's like, you're a pretty good president, Dave Kovic. And I'm like, is he going to fuck the first lady in the White House? I mean, where else would that happen? <laughs> um did you see those bedrooms they're so nice (laughs) there's also a scene where he's talking to ving rames who is his secret service (laughs) detail um and ving rames knows what's going on like he's in on it um and dave is like just having a conversation with him one night in the white house kitchen he's like so would you actually take a bullet for the president and ving rames like yes that's my job and dave's like Oh, so that means now you got to take a bullet for me, too? And you can just see, like, Ving Rhames' face fall. <laughs> he would not. He definitely would not. But the cool part about that relationship is it starts to grow and build. And, yes. like, little things like Dave yes. telling him he would look good in a sweater vest. A sweater and a tie. vest. <laughs> and, and Ving Rhames is like, really? You really think so? I feel like sweaters. I don't know. It makes my neck look big. <laughs> it's just so sweet. Again, this guy whose flaw is being nice is actually making people's lives better. And I, my little heart is growing like the Grinch. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. So Dave uh, calls a press conference the next day. Um, Frank Langella doesn't know about it. He's pretty upset with it. And so Dave says, okay, well, you're fired. Um, I don't want you to be my chief of staff anymore. Uh, and then he goes and gives a press conference and he says, look, I was thinking about how many problems we have this is like one of the two inspirational speeches in the film i was thinking about how many problems that that we have as a country and we don't even know where to start we don't feel like we can solve them so i I think one one thing that we can do to start is i am going to make it a priority until the end of my presidency to find a job for every american who wants one so he proposes this huge sweeping jobs program uh, and they show another episode of the McLaughlin group for some reason <laughs> uh, where, you know, this this is like the big inspirational thing where everyone in politics is now paying attention to this. And they're like, oh, my gosh, Bill Mitchell has this huge policy program that he's um, going to push. This is when you see all the cameos from the senators like Alan Simpson and Paul Simon being like, ah, yes, I'm so glad I get to work with President Bill Mitchell. And like those cameos, like. I guess were like laugh lines when they played in the theater. Honestly, they mean nothing to me. (laughs) They mean nothing to me. And so there's a thing I I was thinking of, which I know you will remember, Nadia, which is Parks and Rec and the final season where Leslie worked for the federal government. Oh, yeah. Um, There's a scene where she goes to Washington and she meets with 
Cory Booker and Orrin Hatch. Uh, two senators. I think Orrin Hatch is now retired. Um, and I remember seeing that scene and thinking, I believe that Cory Booker probably called Parks and Rec. And was like, <laughs> probably was like, your show is the best. I want to be on your show. How can I be on your show? I like, I can totally envision that conversation. I mean, his what last name f- is Booker. Like, that's yeah. what he does. <laughs> what the fuck was Orrin Hatch doing on Parks and Rec? I don't like, know. It's eighty-year-old Republican dipshit from Utah. Maybe his grandkids really like the show. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, anyways, that's what that. I don't know why I'm up. trying to humanize a Republican. I apologize. I apologize to our listeners. <laughs> There's an extremely funny um, scene where Oliver Stone, <laughs> guest starring as himself, appears on Larry King, also guest starring on himself, to talk about the conspiracy theory that Bill Mitchell has been replaced by a body double. <laughs> I loved it. I really liked. I thought the the cameos, except for the actual government people, yeah, were were pretty good. Yeah, no, the me- the media cameos I get, like, that. that's funny. Like, that's fine. Yeah, it was it was fine. But eventually, things take another turn. <laughs> so Frank Langella has been spending all his time trying to implicate the vice president in this banking scandal that nobody understands and is never explained in the film. Right. And after he gets fired, he says, well, guess what? Bill Mitchell is also part of this banking scandal. And the thing is, Bill Mitchell actually was part of the banking scandal. Boom. Uh, so now Dave is in trouble because he could get impeached. He could get removed from office. And also he's not really the president. <laughs> right, right. But, you, okay, the implication there would be he would go to jail mm-hmm. on behalf mm-hmm. of the president. Bill and then I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, And around this time, the vice president comes back. He's played by Ben Kingsley, legendary actor Ben Kingsley. Incredible. Uh, and Ben Kingsley is pissed. Because he's like, I'm implicated in the scandal that I had nothing to do with. And Dave doesn't understand anything of what's going on. (laughs) But he sits down and he talks to the vice president for a little bit. And he's never met the guy before. And also fools the vice president, by the way. The vice president never figures it out. Um, He talks to the guy for a bit and he's like, this guy used to be a shoe salesman. And decided to run for office because he kept complaining about government and his wife told him to run for office. And now he's vice president. And he's like, this guy actually seems like a decent human being. And maybe he should be president and not me. That is so nice. I love (laughs) Dave. (laughs) And it's like, it's nuts to think that there could be a president that thinks that. Yeah, Uh, it's it's amazing to think that a vice president with the vice president that we currently have <laughs> is a good person <laughs> yeah that also that yes. yeah um and uh it's also amazing to think that being involved in a scandal that included campaign finance law violations and all sorts of other white collar crimes could actually bring a president down <laughs> like if really, like, if other people went to jail for it and testified to Congress about it, and there was kind of like oh, you really mean, irrefutable evidence. You mean consequences to actions? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. If, if that was the sort of thing that actually happened. So Dave decides he's going to give a speech to a joint session of Congress. Um, and he basically go, he goes up to give the speech, and he's like, look. Yes, I did it. I'm in the sc- I'm involved in the scandal. 
And guess what? Fucking Frank Langella is in this, involved in this, too. Oh, fuck and you. <laughs> fuck you. He's got all the evidence which he got from the comms director who he's friends with now. But then he says, look, I wasn't a good president. I didn't live up to my part of the bargain. Again, insane to think of a president saying that. Right. Uh, I ought to care more about you than I do about me. Again, my mind is, like, melting at this point. <laughs> I'm crying, but for a yeah. different reason. <laughs> yeah. I ought to be willing to give up this whole thing for something I believe in. What the fuck is this? Oh, it was... It's incredible. What a... What a message. It made... Yeah. It inspired me. <laughs> and I have no feelings. <laughs> so he exonerates the vice president. He implicates himself and Frank Langella. And then he fakes that he has a stroke. Oh. He like, he's like, oh, my head hurts. Oh, my head hurts. Faint. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he sneaks out. Like, he, they switch his body with the actual president. Um, so also, he just, the president, oh. when they bring him out of the, of the ambulance, is not hooked up to anything. So I thought, <laughs> is he dead? And he wasn't. He, he, we learned from voiceovers at the end that he stayed alive for a couple more months. Um, okay. And then died. Right. Um, while, while the vice president was serving as acting president under the 25th Amendment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, then Dave kind of walks off into the distance while Sigourney Weaver is driven to the hospital to go tend to her real husband. She looks to the distance and he's just walking kind of backlit beautifully. <laughs> And he's just on his way back home. And you think that's the end. But it's not. It's not. Because uh, we learn that Dave has decided to run for city council in Baltimore. That's right. I think that's a little weird. <laughs> I just love imagining that he's going to end up on season four of The Wire. <laughs> it's interesting that he's like he's running for city council and people aren't going to be like, you remind me a lot of Bill Mitchell. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so we cut back to his temp agency, which has now become his campaign office. Um, we learn from voiceovers that the jobs program passed, that Frank Langella's in jail, that the president eventually died and that the vice president became the president. Um, and as he's setting up his campaign office, Sigourney Weaver shows up first time she has seen him in months and she's like, let's tongue kiss each other. (laughs) And yeah, I forget that Kevin Klein is like the grossest movie kisser. (laughs) He is incredible in every other way, but his movie kisses are just so intense and gross and messy. So it ends with them tongue kissing each other and Ving Rhames just like shows up. He's like, I'm going to protect you while you tongue kiss. <laughs> and uh, and then the credits roll and, and that's it. It was lovely. Of a lot it, of, we have a lot of movies that I just hate. <laughs> We watch a lot of garbage for this podcast, and this is this is the rare movie that, while it has still aged incredibly bad, right. I think. Of course. Um, it is because America has aged bad, um, and not the quality of the filmmaking, writing, or performances, all of which I would say are top-notch for a comedy Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I thought it was really great. I think of of movies with a political kind of angle to it this one the one this was the most accessible first of all because like they just didn't even explain the scandal and i appreciated that because i (laughs) honestly don't give a shit yeah we would not have cared no not at all but also 
the just the fact that somebody is just so good and actually makes change and you see it happen and people around him are reacting uh, with like thank you for doing that it gives you hope that there are people who actually give a shit i don't know if that's the case now <laughs> but, but you know we can yeah. hope we can hope and we can pray yeah yeah Ugh. what did you Ugh. think of it when you were I think, I mean, I, I liked the film. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's mainly because I like Kevin Klein. Oh, he's like, so it, good. It was the main reason he's a great actor. Um, you know, I, uh, I just, that speech he gives to Congress at the end is a hard one for me to watch. Yeah. When he's like, I should care more about you than I do about me. I'm like, ah. Yeah. This hits different. It really hit different. A lot of... <laughs> A lot of moments where he's talking about just like giving a shit. Yeah. Oh, that it really got to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> now I I will say when this movie came out, it was insanely successful, right? Um. I I already said I think it was 13th highest grossing film of 1993, 63 million dollars domestic. It was also um extremely well reviewed. Uh, Oscar nominee, like I said, and uh, two just quick reviews to touch on for this film. Um, one is Jeff Shannon writing for the Seattle Times. Uh, it is impossible to say whether Dave will play as wonderfully over the decades as it does right now, but this smooth-as-silk comedy could not be more timely or connect more hopefully with our current national consciousness. Dave will owe its instant popularity to the fact that it champions our loftiest ideals for government leadership rather than confirm and perpetuate our worst fears of its corruption. It's both a valentine to President Clinton and a warning to do the right thing. Which, I, I would say that phrase also hits different in June 2020. <laughs> uh, the other review, of course, is the great late Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times, who gave this film three and a half stars, saying, The subtext of Dave resembles the messages of many of the Capra movies. And, and a lot of reviews of this film, by the way, compared it to Frank Capra's movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which is also about Jimmy Stewart is, you know, a regular guy who comes to Congress and, and realizes that there's so many corrupt, awful people there and tries to tries to be a good person. Uh, so he says, if people in power only behaved sensibly and with goodwill, a lot of our problems would solve themselves. Of course, it's not that simple, but watching Dave... There were moments when I found myself asking, why isn't it? And there's so many answers to Roger Ebert's questions now, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that we don't need to go into all of them uh, at once. But like I said, it's it's a good movie. The problem is the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, I I am hopeful for a lot of the change that's happening you know, we're, we're reaching critical mass of people caring and giving a shit. Right, and that's the thing, is is I do feel like, you know, I, I don't know anything, I am a dumb person, but it feels to me like there is the potential for something good to come out of everything that is happening right now. Absolutely, and I'm hoping that Donald Trump dies <laughs> at some point. Like, whenever, whenever he's ready. Like, yeah. just go ahead. Just, like, just, it's do time. not, do not wait for me to give you the okay. You have the okay. <laughs> and it, I'm going to be taste, tastelessly happy about it. And I will throw parties. But there's going to be, look, look, we need to talk about when Donald Trump dies. Because there's <laughs> like, there's going to be people who are like, there's going to be people I know 
on Facebook who are going to be like, it's wrong to celebrate the death of a man. He's still a man who had a family. And I'm going to be like, actually, it's correct that we're happy that he's dead. No, it's 100% correct. And it's going to be, I'm going to be so disgustingly happy. <laughs> I'm going to throw a barbecue. <laughs> I'm going to put up a sign on my window that faces the street. It's just like, yes, we did it. <laughs> Fuck that guy, truly. Uh, but, you know, I hope that we can have a good president someday. Maybe, someday. maybe we should run for president. No. <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and say no on that one. No. Well, I have some common sense media reviews that I wish that there were more interesting ones, but mostly... They were people who were just upset about the one sex scene in it. But, you know, I mean, it was Is, fine. And the one sex scene you're referring to, Bill, Bill Mitchell having sex with Laura Linney? Yeah. And there okay. was, like, moaning sounds, for sure. But well, it, he's a good lover. Right, right, right. But it wasn't that bad. But, okay. User Chris Fayer says, An intriguing idea. Dave is a very good movie that explores a hypothetical way to deal with a president who is unfit to serve questionable chris the film is funny entertaining and satisfying at the end the performances by the cast are quite good and the plot is well written more than that wait sorry uh the performances by the cast are quite good and the plot is well written more than what can be said about other political movies however i would disagree with common sense media's age rating on this one due to the sexual content i feel like even though there is no nudity shown there is plenty of things that emphasize the act the strongest of which is that a couple is clearly shown doing it, accompanied by the moans, facial expressions, and movements, all of which is probably too inappropriate for kids as young as 11 and 12. However, I think any teen 13 or older could enjoy this movie just fine. I would highly recommend it. You can probably get this past an 11 or 12-year-old, folks. Like, this is a pretty wholesome film. It's pretty wholesome. Uh, there is one kid review that I liked. It is from user AJ Waterman 13, age 13, so they're not lying. They say, loved it. I absolutely loved this movie. I first watched it when I was 11, so I knew it was happening during the sex scene, which is very brief. <laughs> it's very brief. It has positive messages and really funny scenes that even younger kids could enjoy. So, you know, you Chris Fayer just got blown out of the water because AJ Waterman is like, I was 11. I knew what was going on fucking asshole don't say uh, i don't know anything it would be pretty good if you wanted to scare your kid from having like sex uh <laughs> as a teen and you show them the scene in day where bill mitchell has a stroke and you're like that's what happens to most men when they have sex. <laughs> oh isn't there isn't there a storyline in something else where they were having sex and the guy dies on top of her what is that from uh I have no idea. I mean, like, I believe you, um, but I, I don't recall offhand. It's another comedy. And I don't want to Google it. <laughs> if our listeners know, just let me know. I don't want to Google it either. <laughs> There's probably some weird porn out there that's like, guy dies on top of BBW. <laughs> <laughs> well, guy, guy dies on top of BBW is, um, that's like the specialty uh <laughs> version like there's they, they start like i mean i don't know what your personal taste is folks i mean if you're into guy dies on top of, <laughs> that's great but if you're not like there's also guy dies on top of um just uh a uh, woman yeah. 
there's like no way I could have ended that sentence that it was going to go well. I know. I was going to be like, oh, God, I was bracing myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Well, this was really fun. I'm glad to do a movie every once in a while that's good. Yeah. Not that Uh, everything we watch is bad. Well, I can tell you right now the next thing we're going to watch is going to be pretty bad. Uh, Any (laughs) final thoughts on the film, Nadia? I love Kevin Klein. That is also my final thought. Aw. Uh, so, uh, with that, you know, I'm glad we got to watch a good movie. Uh, I'm sorry uh, in advance for probably the next 12 or 13 movies that we'll watch, which will not be as good as this one. Uh. <laughs> and uh, to all you folks out there, uh, Dave is streaming on Hulu if you want to watch it right now. Um, and it's pretty good, so you probably should watch it. Uh, probably should on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We will see you at the next episode. Bye! So